When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. It is Friday, which means that we are going into another desperately needed weekend. And when I say desperately needed, um, that is not an overstatement. I'm just looking at this excerpt from Catherine Rempel's column in the Washington Post this morning. In the days since 19 children and two teachers were murdered in Uvalde, Texas, there have been at least 21 mass shootings across the country, according to the Gun Violence Archive which is a nonprofit research organization that defines mass shootings as incidents in which four or more people are shot or killed, not including the shooter. The carnage occurred at a hospital, a nightclub, several house parties, an outdoor festival, a bar, a vacant lot, a cemetery, and a car show, among other locales. So, because it's Friday, we are joined once again by soon-to-be best-selling author Tim Miller. <laughs> Good morning, Tim. How are you? morning charlie back to back to back you know people are worried that we had a feud going on i wasn't on for yeah. like two three weeks no, i had covid i was on vacation here we are three weeks in a row i we'll think keep the streak going this, i have sad news to report this is a, a very american sad news uh, just late last night names iowa i know uh, you know one the, outside of church so i was thinking about this i was listening to and and, and, I, and I apologize in advance for not giving all the proper credit because i you know sometimes you know you're, you're reading you're listening to stuff and you kind of forget where did i actually hear that but it was really an interesting point it was a a montage of you know angry moms at school board meetings saying how absolutely furious they were that their child might have to wear a mask how outraged they were that they might uh, encounter, you know, uh, I have two mommies or, or something you know, in the in the library, how they were going to storm the school board meeting if they found out that there was any CRT in the curriculum. And they're angry because it was so important to protect the children. You know, one state after another passed laws to protect the children against ideas and uh, books and, you know, certain words and you kind of wonder, where, where are those angry moms this week when you have kids being killed in the schools? You know what I'm saying? Is Think about all of the things in the culture war that centered around we must protect the children in schools. And yet when it comes to gunmen coming in and murdering 19 children, it's like, boy, I don't know, we, we, need, uh, we need more locked doors or something. But you don't see those folks showing up. You don't see Ron DeSantis, you know, calling the legislature into session or, or you know, Governor Abbott calling the legislature into session saying, okay, we must protect the children against, well, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just, everything yeah. was building about must protect the children until this week in which it's sort of like, yeah, kind of out of ideas. Don't really know what to do about it. Lock the doors, door locks. This is brilliant. Yeah, there. Well, there are two. There are two elements to that. I, I think one from the uh, citizen element, um, and then I'll get to the politician. Is you know the old saw about the worst being filled with passionate intensity, and I think that hopefully 
there will be a backlash of of more moderate moms. I, I said I called the back in the primary where Joe Biden won back in 2019. I said there is actually a new silent majority of people who just want their normal lives back. And that doesn't seem like they got what they wanted. But, you know, those mm-hmm. were the folks that had moved to Joe Biden, you know, around Super Tuesday. And I think that there are a lot of moms and dads, for that matter, who uh don't want to get in, you know, be at school board meetings on a Thursday night. Like they have real lives. They'd rather just be doing their homework with their kids or throw, throwing the ball or whatever, um, going to a barbecue than, you know, yelling at a school board meeting and taking off their shirt and, you know, getting up in the face of teachers who are actually trying to do their job. But I, it might be necessary. And, you know, look, there's going to be protests at Moms Demand this weekend. Uh, March for Our Lives will be next weekend. I think I'm going to go to the March for Our Lives protest out here and, and, and write on it for the bulwark. I, 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 again, it's anecdotally, but I, I've heard from, you know, high school friends, college friends, uh, people I worked with in politics aren't in politics anymore, uh, who have kids who are really mad. And I think, uh, you know, I don't really, you know, I, most of my friends didn't really have kids during Newtown, Newtown. So I don't know if it's a change or just, you know, we're in a different phase of our lives. But um, I sense it. Um, I do think that there's anger. And I think people are going to have to act and maintain and carry that intensity. And it's, it's hard, you know, because we've all been through this all before. And you can just see, you know, that there was an Axios report about the engagement in, in news stories about Uvalde's already dropping. Uh, you know, so you can see yeah. people lose their intensity. So ho- hopefully that doesn't happen this time. I, I want to get into the 21 age thing later. because I think that's an area where, where, where you know, we might be able to, to sustain some intensity. As for the politicians, it's just, it has been really sad and angering and enraging, but also kind of satisfying and revealing <laughs> the, the fucking bullshit about caring about kids and protecting kids. And this is why we need these bills because these groomer teachers and who knows what they're teaching our kids. And, you know, I just saw there's this bill passed in Ohio that now a parent can call for a genital check at a tennis match if they're worried that the other school has a kid that's trans on it. Uh, it's just like, these are the freedom man. people like these, yeah. Are, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we need to protect our kids from being in an unfair tennis match. Uh, you know, it made me think about the JVL's great triad this week about, about, Clay Travis. It's like honestly, if your seventh grader loses uh, in a in a tennis match when the other side had an unfair advantage, that's actually a good life lesson, not a life or death story where you need to check the other child's genitals. But anyway, that just it, they've been revealed to not actually give care at all about the kids, and and I think that that just the pathetic nature of Greg Abbott's response that literally his answer to this that what he's put forth is that they're going to have like random door checks. I mean, how many schools are there in Texas? Like, there's there has got to be fifty thousand schools in Texas. I'm, I'm someone can Google it and fact check me, but um, uh, you know, actually, probably not that many. But five thousand. I like how many? Like, I, is this real? Like, we're, we're going to send the door cops in to like randomly check doors? I and mean, all of this is just, it's all preposterous, and it's so preposterous on its face that it just shows how how bad faith all the other protect the kids stuff was that we had to live through. Yeah, now I'm, I'm regretting that we didn't have a soundbite from uh, Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz just sort of strings together one tired, worn out, discredited talking point after another. It's like, it's like, you know, doors, porn, reefer, madness, whatever, one thing after another. But say, look, the door thing is not is not crazy. 
It's interesting because, you know, my local newspaper uh, here in Wisconsin, a local suburban newspaper actually, you know, did a survey of all the schools around here. And, and they have spent a lot of money in, um, uh, in on school security. I mean, cameras, you know, interlinked with the police departments, double doors everywhere. You have to be buzzed in to get into the school. Yeah. The windows are bulletproof. They've actually worked out systems so that somebody with, uh, with a gun can't just force their way into the school. So this is all good. But... No, no, number one, there's always the problem of of human error, as we've discovered. And also, you know what? The reality is that if we really want to harden these sites, why stop with schools? I, I mentioned this yesterday, and Catherine Rempel talks about it again today. You know, if this is our answer, if we're not going to do anything about the guns, if, if we're going to continue to be a country, you know, just overwhelmed uh, with guns uh, and, and uh, demented 18-year-olds with uh, AR-15s, then we're going to have to harden all of these sites. I mean, you know, why stop with schools? You'd have to do churches, synagogues, mosques, nightclubs, movie theaters, concerts, Walmarts, malls, grocery stores, medicals, Hospitals. yes, corporate Christmas parties, block parties, youth sports events, garlic festivals. You know, I mean, every house is going to have to be hardened on all of this. And then, of course, there's this whole notion, well, if we just had more, and I, I heard Ted Cruz say this, you know, the answer is all oh, to bad guys with guns is good guys with guns. He actually said this after Uvalde, where you know, the more we learn about this, it, it does feel like, you know, the Texas cops are like the Russian army of law enforcement. You know, it's like they really look impressive in the videos, but they're deeply incompetent and they don't actually spend the money to do these these sorts of things. And yet and yet we have this constant circle. You mentioned something interesting, though. You mentioned the 21 age. Talk to me a little bit about that, because yeah. everything that I'm seeing, anecdotal, looking at polls, would suggest that this is the low-hanging fruit, that yeah. even rabid gun rights activists, you know, say, yeah, you know, raising the age from 18 to 21, I don't really have a problem with that. And yet it probably won't happen. What do you think? Yeah, I was happy that Joe Biden mentioned it yesterday. Um, I was talking to some White House people about this and told them that I, that that in my view this is a winner. Um, uh, so he mentioned it. I'm happy um, that or, you know I think that there, there's evidence of Florida, right? Which is that Rick Scott, who's in the Senate, has already signed this into law. I know he said he won't vote for it in the Senate, but I think that that's an area for for pressure and Democrats to win the argument. Like they've already easy. done this in Florida, yeah. right? It's easy. I, I think that it's a political winner. If, if, it, if it doesn't pass Congress, I think that the Democrats should campaign on it this fall. I do not think, going back to what we were saying at the top about moms who are upset about all this, I, 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 you can imagine the ad campaign around this issue. I, you know, I do not think that, that most suburban parents in swing districts, uh, if they go to pick up little Johnny from school and start looking around the high school, really want all every single kid in that high school to be able to order an AR-15 online and have it delivered to their home and and you know not have any sort of regulation, any sort of restriction, any sort of anything on that. I think that that is a very losing issue. It's visceral. Six of the last nine mass shootings, the, the fact that you can do a stat like this in America is sad enough as yeah. it is, but uh, six of the last nine were kids that legally purchased Legal. their weapons under the age of 21. So you can't argue that this is, um, you know, something that, that that wouldn't impact school shootings like those on the right like to do sometimes. Jim Justice, governor of West Virginia, I saw him say that he was for this, but deep red state. Charlie Cook over the National Review, who's a strident mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. gun advocate advocated said he would be for this on 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 a podcast with uh, Jane Coaston that I was listening to this morning. Uh, so I think it's I think it's doable, and and so I, and I think that it's a it's a political winner, and I think it's something that you can get moms mad about. The background check thing, it's a little bit amorphous, right? It's like, well, I'm for this. 90% of people are for this. But then it's like, well, there's a dad giving us, you know what I mean? There's a lot of deep, there's a lot of particulars, right? Like an 18-year-old cannot buy a white claw, but he can buy an assault rifle. That is something that people get that is visceral, that speaks right to you, Valdi. And just one other thing on the doors real quick, because I've been thinking, uh, um, you know, we ranted about this for two weeks, so I'll be brief. But um the hardening of school is just about how preposterous it is. I, I've been thinking about this. I used to go and um, to, to the school. It's a inner city school, extremely uh, tight security at this at this school. There are these huge gates at the front. There is only one entrance, and and I would tutor kid, ESL kids mm-hmm. um, in English at, at the end of the day. But but it's right after school that the that ESL classes would happen. So I would be walking in as everybody else would be walking out to the bus and to carpool, right? And so I've just been having this image in my head of myself walking into the school. And this is how Parkland happened, right? It was somebody that knew when dismissal was, and there was only one door to Parkland, and and there's only there was only one exit out of this school. And I was just imagining in my head, I started having these day terrors of like a of, of somebody walking with an AR-15 as walking into that school when I would walk into it. I mean, these kids were all sitting ducks. You know, and this was at a school with high security where, you know, if you wanted to get in there, I had to go in there one time during the day, you know, you had to buzz in and, you know, you had the the bulletproof window, all that sort of stuff. Uh, So uh, if if we're letting 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds get easy access to these guns and they know that the, 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 you know, the ebb and flow of a school day, there's no hardening that will matter. I, you know, unless the kids yeah. are going to live in the school and we're going to turn them into Osama bin Laden's cave, you and know, they never I, go outside of the school. Right. I mean, yeah. Or we uh, let them all leave two by two over the course of the day. I don't, you know, I mean, it's not a jail, right. Where, where people, uh, the, the, uh, we all are joking. Like they want to turn these into prisons. But the reason why that works Absolutely. in a prison is because people don't leave the prison. <laughs> you know, they leave one at a time when they're, uh, you know, when their prison sentence is over. Kids leave school every day, all at the same time. So, uh, you know, the whole the whole notion is just That's just is point. obviously farcical on its face. In terms of the politics of all of this, a group of uh, twenty one, I think they call themselves frontliners, which means they're vulnerable Democrats. Uh, uh, wrote a letter, and this was uh, a move uh, led by Abigail Spanberger, who I think is uh, sort of the one of the leading moderate centrists still in in, in Congress, uh, uh, saying you know ur- urging the Democratic leaders to break up the the gun control bill uh, to have separate votes on all of these issues. You know, force a vote on the twenty one age, force a vote on on you know universal background checks or red flag laws. Put people on record. One of the things that I think uh, Democrats have gotten wrong, particularly uh, Chuck Schumer and company, has been that what they do is they put these omnibus bills up with, filled with all sorts of stuff. You know, much of it very good. Much of it is just, you know, poison pills, deal killers and make it easy for Republicans to vote against it. One of the things they have done is they have made it easy for even moderate, squishy Republicans to vote no when, for example, like on H.R. 1, they just cram all of this shit. Right. into the bill. What what Abigail Spanberger and her colleagues are saying is let's 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 force a vote on each and every element of this. Make it hard for the other side to vote no. And this strikes me as <sighs> smart but also politics 101. 
um, and which which also tells me it's unlikely they're going to get their way. But your thoughts? Yeah, smart, and hopefully it allows them to campaign on it. And this, this yeah. is the thing on the gun issue. I, I just and we talked about this a little bit last week, but like. Democrats have been scared of their shadow onto running on this because they've been burned a lot and for good reason. But on some of these issues, like the 21 age, to me, you can run a winning campaign about this. And we'll talk about yeah. Ron DeSantis oh. later, but say what you want yeah. about Ron. He has actually prosecuted a case on some stuff that on the face you would have been like, really? Is don't say gay in schools popular? And like it might not have seemed yeah. so in a poll. But then he did it. And then, you know, he it's is all bad faith. I'm not saying the Democrats should act like Ron DeSantis in bad faith, but he prosecuted a bad faith case about how, oh, they're teachers that might be groomers and they're making your kids read about whatever the gay penguins and they're gonna turn them gay. And 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 sadly, it's it's worked. The poll numbers are working for him on this. And I think that. There's kind of a good faith mirror image of this where the Democrats could really focus on protecting the kids in schools with a couple of specific things that parents really get and running a campaign on it that is on offense. I I hope they do that. Just one thing really quick on Chuck Schumer because I've been so hard yeah, on him and mm -hmm. so and just brutally attacking his strategy in the Senate. I just want to note something. There was an Axios report just yesterday that that apparently Schumer and Manchin that the they've been listening to the calls and Schumer and Manchin are close to a deal. Now, we've been Charlie Browned on this with the football, but uh, that is exactly what I've been saying that Chuck Schumer should do, which is privately work out a deal with Joe Manchin and then force everybody else to, to vote for it. You know, whatever he can get, best deal he can get on um, on some anti-inflationary stuff, some some relief yeah. for families. You know, seems like they're working on that. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but it would be something that I would love to be wrong on, uh, you know, after, after Me just filet. And I don't know that I would be wrong per se, because it, this could have happened last year, but, but, um, it would, I would be, I would love for Chuck Schumer to turn around on this. So maybe there are some signs of life between the Spamberger thing and the Schumer thing that some Democrats on the Hill are getting the message that what they've been doing isn't working. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would bet a lot, a lot, a lot against any of these bipartisan compromises getting through. But I hope I'm wrong. I would hope I would lose that bet. I have to say that I am uh, quite impressed by Chris Murphy, a Democratic senator of, is from Connecticut, yeah, Connecticut. Who, who, who has very clearly said, look, I, I would like a lot more, but I am willing to settle for what I can get. I am willing to uh, put the the possible, um, you know, the practical ahead of the of, of the perfect. And his position is, and he even wrote something for Fox News, the Fox News website, basically saying, look, 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 I'm not trying to take away your guns. I'm not even doing this or that or banning anything. You know, can we just do this? Can we agree on this? So I, you know, this is this is a, a sign of 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 sobriety on this issue. Slow clap for Chris Murphy. Yeah, just really yeah I know. An absolute model. Because yeah, it is a model. Yeah. So much pressure on him to just grandstand and do nothing. And so, oh, yeah, I, I'm not I don't think I'm not optimistic either, but. That's somebody who actually cares and is like, we'll make a change on the margins. And this is where I'm at, by the way, just really quick on the inverse on the school hardening. I, you know, they already spent all this money on the COVID relief for the school. No, so if we can redirect some of that to make schools a little safer, I'll be it. I'll for it. But, but but what bugs me with the difference between Chris Murphy and Ted Cruz is that like those guys are using it for show. They don't actually fucking care. OK, no. they don't they're just trying to get out of having to do anything that might actually make a difference. Like Chris Murphy's trying to make a difference. And if some of that includes some school security stuff. Great. Like incremental is better than nothing at this point. So so good for Chris Murphy. By the way, that's a really good contrast because there are people who see their role as to legislate, to address a problem. How can I make something better? What would work? 
like Chris Murphy. They are legislators. As opposed to the Ted Cruz's of the world, unfortunately, those ranks are about to grow, I think, are the people who, frankly, don't give a shit about whether they get anything done or are totally indifferent to actual legislation and simply want to push out more memes, more narratives, to get more clicks, uh, you know, to check to how it's playing on Twitter, et cetera. So there's a real uh, a con, uh, you know, contrast there. So I want to get your take on uh, Joe Biden and inflation, uh, the speech yeah. last night, his decision to go to Saudi Arabia, uh, Trump endorsing Blake Masters in Arizona, which I think is a very, very interesting. But before we do that, though, I, I have a special treat for you. Um, I don't know whether you heard um, Molly Hemingway, who is the uh, new well, editor in chief. Like seven years ago, so I've, okay, I haven't uh, heard anything from her. Lately. She's the new editor in chief of the Federalist, and really a heartthrob of the of the real deplorable, um, you know, deplorable media out there. And she, she was on Fox News last night. Uh, reacting to President Biden's speech, his very rare primetime speech saying, you know, when is enough enough? And she suggested that speech was, I don't want to give it totally away, but suggest that the speech itself was an impeachable offense. So I'm going to share that with you. We probably should have started with that as our palate cleanser, but we'll do that right after this. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show, which features in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds like Ray Dalio and Malcolm Gladwell. Every Friday, Jordan also releases a Feedback Friday episode to respond to listener questions covering everything from conventional problems like leaving a dream job to doozies like helping someone escape an abusive relationship. You could also hear the latest news about Russia featuring a heavy-hitting interview with Gary Kasparov and his experience with authoritarian governments. And that's just the beginning. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Okay, we are back for the Friday edition of the Bulwark Podcast with Tim Miller. As promised, Molly Hemingway, how, how, how would you describe Molly Hemingway? I mean, Molly Hemingway has become kind of a thing, right? I mean, she... She has become this, uh, you know, the ultimate media shill for whatever the megaverse is up to. How would you describe her? I think that Molly Hemingway is the best example of somebody that mastered the game. We talked about the game, how I wrote about the game in my book last week um, in the mega era. And and what that is, is she she actually, I think, coined the phrase strategic silence. Yeah. That when something comes up in the news that is un- inconvenient to your side, and she was accusing other people of this, but but this is obviously like the golden rule of MAGA. It's all projection. But she's excellent at strategic silence. When news comes up that is not beneficial to her side, she just disappears. Anytime you can find any sort of defense of your side, you focus on that. And you do the extreme nut picking on the other side. And and she has created for herself. She's gone from being just kind of a middle of the road conservative blogger to to being a a superstar in the mega media because of her shamelessness and her willingness to go on TV and defend the indefensible again for Donald Trump and to spin. Uh, uh, no matter you know how uh, preposterous Donald Trump's spin is. And to, uh, you know, just keep keep owning the libs all day, all the time. 
And honestly, I think she's been a model for a lot of I, other younger people yeah. who saw this is the path to make money in the Trump era is to do the Molly Hemingway. And so I, that's how I describe her. I think you're right. I, I think and in, in, in your book, uh, which I once again strongly recommend. Why we the did way it. In you which can you get it on Amazon. The, the, the game. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we talked about it last week and apparently right. you know, people went out and bought it because podcast listeners are, are book readers. But describing this game and the way they game it up is I remember Molly Hemingway, you know, back in 2016, and she was like normal. She was fine. She was thoughtful. She was not pro-Trump and yet figured out what she needed to become. And it's paid off for her magnificently. The Bradley Foundation, which is based here in Milwaukee, my wife worked there for many, many years, kind of was the intellectual center of the conservative movements, you know, serious people. And yet to watch the devolution of the conservative movement, also, you know, track the devolution of the people who hand out the money. They gave Molly Hemingway one of their Bradley prizes. And for those of you who think, well, what does that mean? You know, it means she got $250,000 and and this, you know, immense crystal lion head. Um, I mean, people like you know, George Will used to win this, and now it's freaking Molly Hemingway. Anyway, this is all, you know, lead up. So President Biden gives a speech, you know, very rarely has he used the bully pulpit, comes out and says, you know, win is enough, you know, um, you know goes through the, the frustration and everything. Fine. This is Molly Hemingway's response. And I wanted to kind of break it down a little bit because she throws out a lot of buzzwords which play well on the right. Well, here it is. He showed that this was for him a partisan political approach. Uh, do something is not a serious policy, but the actual policies that he listed are extremely troubling. I think Dream. it's comforting for simple-minded people <laughs> to think that restricting the natural right to keep and bear arms would natural solve right. all of our problems, natural that right. destroying the Constitution would solve our problems. Destroy. That is not true. And we have a natural right natural of self-defense right. and to guard against tyranny in tyranny. the Second Amendment. This is something that makes us American. Right. And That's Joe Biden showed that he does not respect the Constitution. No. He does not support no. this natural right. That natural. really is an impeachable offense to ah. talk this way against something so foundational to the country. Um, but it was also oh. just really divisive and unhelpful yeah. for him. Yeah. And I think, huh. you know, he helped people see what really is at play here. Oh, oh okay. So natural right, it's a natural right. Obviously, this is really important, a natural right. So it's it's one of those rights that actually predates the Second Amendment. Understand that, that, that this is not a right conferred to us on the Constitution. This is God, when he created man, said, I want to make sure that, that everyone has the right to have an AR-15. This is the natural right that we yeah, are well, born. I, I mean, we, are, we are born free men and women as long as we have the natural right to have an AR-15, which will blow a hole in your head the size of a watermelon. Natural. That was, that was the Stoics actually natural. wrote about the AR-15. Natural. You know, I think it was what one of the principal Jesus doctrines do? of the Stoics. Um, Jesus would go yeah, in the know. temple and blow the fuck out of the money changers. Yeah, and... It's been a while since I had I did have to brush up on my John Locke for an interview with Francis yeah. Fukuyama recently. And I don't yeah. I don't remember encountering anything about machine guns in Locke, you know, that um, implied. You had a nat, implied. You had, yeah, you had a nat, that 18 year olds had a natural right to 370 right. 
realms <laughs> bestowed upon them by God. Because I, that that is also a little confusing for the self-protection. I always don't really understand that part about the self-protection. I mean, self what, what exactly was they, would he be defending himself against with 370 rounds? Like, what does Molly have in her in her imagination that would be, know. you know, it's just like Rambo. It's like 18-year-old Rambo. Uh, you know, kind of mowing down 30 people. Got, yeah, Simple-minded yeah. stood out for me. Simple-minded, you know. You're really stupid to think that maybe we have too many guns in this country. You're simple-minded to think that maybe the United States could do what the rest of the world has done. That's simple-minded, right? Right. I mean, you know, that other countries actually did it and it worked. It's not that that that's that that proof point is the province of the simple-minded. And I am Molly Hemingway's audience is not simple-minded. I mean, she did just write an entire book about how the 2020 election was supposedly rigged, despite the fact that, that Donald Trump lost by 7 million votes and that there's been no actual evidence of any rigging. So, I mean, her audience is definitely not simple-minded. Definitely not. Well, I'm simple-minded on this, that killing kids is bad. <laughs> oh, yes, having demented 18-year-olds be able to go into a school and murder 19 people is um, is bad. Okay, that that's simple-minded. Okay, Boy, so that is pretty simple-minded. I, I, I kind of wanted to break it down here. So we have the natural right, which is that God wants you to have the AR-15 or protect yeah. your right. Then she, of course, says, but it's also in the Second Amendment, which makes us Americans. That's what makes mm -hmm. us Americans. It, it's mm -hmm. it, it's it's the fact that we can have the these uh, these 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 weapons, and the, it's right there in the Second Amendment that we need to have those weapons in order to fight tyranny. Professor Miller. Uh, Your Honor, where in the Second Amendment does it talk about tyranny? And the question I always ask when I hear that argument, and I've heard that argument for 20 or 30 years now is, okay, so who are you going to be shooting? Are you going to be shooting the cops? Are you going to be shooting soldiers, Marines? Uh, are you going to be shooting what? I mean... Just by the way, yeah. I mean, I know this is we, like we shouldn't no. have to take this and get, but like, We're but there are, there are reasonable restrictions on lots of rights in the constitution. Well regulated, the words "well regulated" are in the it's fucking right constitution, there. right there. Then the the cherry on top of this souffle, to mix the metaphors, is we don't put a cherry on a souffle, do you? I'm not do a you? souffle man, so I don't have a good answer for that. Okay, so I would have I would have thought you were With a chocolate. souffle guy. I like chocolate. Uh, it's kind of a, am I a gay joke. Am, 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 no, am I, I'm, 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 I'm stereotyping. I just, You're I coastal homosexual elite loving those soufflés, just kind of eating your. I didn't French actually say that, but, but... Um, no, yeah, I'm, I, I like a good old mm. fashioned Nestle Crunch bar, Charlie. You know, okay. I don't, I'm not, well, I don't need any fancy pants desserts. So here is the cherry on top of her souffle, which is that. Joe Biden saying what he said last night, that that is an impeachable offense, which also yeah. is kind of a tell that, you know, get ready for your future because yeah. an impeachable offense will be anything. <laughs> I mean, you just know Republicans are going to roll in the chances that they will not be uh, flogged into impeaching Joe Biden are absolutely zero. I mean, you want to talk about things I'd be willing to bet money on. So giving a speech in which you say enough carnage, we need to you know, keep these weapons of war out of the hands of demented teenagers. That is an impeachable offense. Yeah. Um, well, first, just the politics of this is you're exactly right. And I think, I don't, I forget, was, we've been on this for a while, yeah. um, that, that impeachment is coming if the Republicans take the House, which, which mm -hmm. they seem very likely to do at this point. Um, and, and, you know, even if, you know, uh, the, 
whatever the res- the responsible Republicans, even if Kevin McCarthy doesn't really want to do it. And he's already demonstrated that he is complete slave to the most totally. insane parts of his base. And so there will be um, uh, clearly House members that that push this. Uh, you put in your newsletter this morning the crazy Billy Long tweet about how they want he wants you know the raccoon to take over the presidency after after vice president harris resigns and trump is the speaker and then and then biden is impeached and then trump gets in again i mean these so uh, these people these people are going to impeach um so that's what's happening i do just want to say one more thing about molly because we've been joking i i just these people are ghouls they're ghouls i mean like this is just unbelievable i to, to, for joe biden to give that speech last night which was perfectly fine Perfectly yeah. reasonable. I think that a, a reasonable response, and by the way, the Molly Hemingway from 2015, before she turned into a miserable ghoul who wanted to just like prey on the deaths of children for money, Jeez. for Fox News fame, mm-hmm. would have responded to that speech by saying, you know, I don't know that getting rid of assault rifles makes sense. From my from my standpoint, this is a this is a fundamental right. People can mm-hmm. disagree on this. You know, I, I, there are already these weapons in circulation. There are arguments that I may not agree with that are reasonable to push back on Joe Biden. But to say that this is impeachable to just demagogue against the notion that like red flag laws and raising the age to 21, which is already the handgun law, by the way, yeah. you can't get a handgun if you're 18, but you can get an assault rifle. I, I, to, to propose that as an impeachable claim and that he's divisive and, and there's nothing we can do to stop the child slaughter. It's ghoulish, like it, and it's just hard not to like very to get very angry when when you're listening to that. So I, I just you know it's it's worth mocking, but it also is like, upsetting. Yeah, well, get ready for a lot of that because that's what's in our future. Okay, so report here from uh, flyover country. <laughs> the campaign ads have begun, and this will not come as a surprise to you, Mr. Miller, that uh, all of the Republican ads, uh, both for Senate and Governor here in Wisconsin focus basically on two things. They focus on crime and they focus on inflation. Um, your quite excellent uh, Not My Party this week deals with, uh, with, with Joe Biden and inflation, um, the bad choices he's made in the past, the bad choices that he, that he confronts right now. So give me your thumbnail sketch on where we are at on the economy. We had some good jobs numbers I thought this morning, I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm 3.6%. I'm old enough to remember when people thought that was pretty good. Economy created 390,000. I suppose you could say that that shows that things are slowing down. But in the context of how many jobs this economy has created in the last year, but nobody seems to care about that. It's all about inflation. So tell me about what your, your the case was that you made. We could do a whole hour on this, so yeah, I'm just going to kind of try to fly through everything pretty quick. But um, just on the economy and then, and then on Biden's handling. Uh, the jobs numbers are really good, and and you know they're uh, obviously the goal. And we're just going to get into the question. Looking back on all the stimulating the economy was to not make the mistake that was made, at least the mistake from from I think the center left viewpoint, um, and obviously the far left viewpoint as well that the Obama stimulus did, which is that it kind of created this very long, slow recovery that they were going to juice the economy and get people back to work. Like that part obviously worked. There is something to be said for that. But it also very clearly overheated the economy. And, and just the way that, that humans, just the way the human brain works, like the way that they interpret this is if you're you know, Nancy from Omaha, right, and your friend got a job, but you have the same job and you haven't got a raise or you've got a very small raise and your grocery bill is more, 
your gas bill is more, you're not going to process that as the economy is good for me. Like you're going to process that as the economy is bad for me. Um, so, you know, this, this, these, you know, broad numbers of like, oh, unemployment's a little GDP, right? Like that, like that's not how people vote and how people react to the economy. Number one. Number two, day to day, and and we are had a little argument about this on the next level for board clause members. JVL is on the other side of this. Like life still doesn't feel normal, and this isn't really Joe Biden's fault. And these are all kind of first world problems. But but you know everything is like twenty percent more annoying, right? There are fewer staffers at at these stores, which is why the employment number is so low, right? Like so things take longer. Uh, you know the the number of chips in your bag is fewer than it was before. All this stuff adds up. You're like I'm paying more for my groceries. I'm paying more for gas, and I have all these daily annoyances. Like that matters more to me than what the unemployment rate is. Okay. Yes. Biden. So now talking to Biden Every about day. what the Democrats yeah. can do. I think that in I think that it's very now clear in retrospect, and it doesn't help the Democrats, and it doesn't help our future, you know, the future of our democracy to kind of lie and pretend like these things don't exist. In retrospect, there was too much stimulus, right? Like the, we they, they used it too much. There was too much money sloshing around. That is not the only reason for inflation. There's global inflation. Obviously, other countries have caught up to us recently. A part of this is due to the Fed and Jerome Powell. Boy, doing a not my party for 13 to 24-year-olds about inflation and having to do having to get into Jerome Powell in three minutes was a big challenge <laughs> for me. Um, I was like, boy, how do I explain Jerome Powell and the Fed and easy money? And <laughs> uh, But anyway, I did my best. We did have a Jerome Powell meme. I don't know that there are many Jerome Powell memes out there on the internet, so I, hopefully we can... Well, there is now. Hitting, yeah, hitting a unique audience with that. So it's, again, not all Joe Biden's fault. Some of it was bad luck. He didn't know that Russia was going to invade Ukraine and have an impact on gas and food prices. You know, he didn't know that there were going to be two more COVID waves. But clearly, in retrospect, the COVID stimulus package was too much. And they got caught up in the moment of we're going to be FDR, et cetera, et cetera. And that was it was a mistake in retrospect. And, and they should have been listening more to some of the more prudent folks on the left, not just on the right, prudent folks on the left, like Larry Summers, who were saying this is this is going to heat things up too much. So now what now to the politics? Um, Democrats have to show that they are trying to do something about it. This is why the Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin deal is so important. And this is why candidates, and, you know, from time to time, I get Democratic candidates and campaigns that call me and just want to have it off the record. How do we appeal to RVAT voters? Like, how do we appeal to Republican voters? What do you have to say? And, And you're talking about those ads in Wisconsin. My message to those Wisconsin candidates is you have to make the case that Republicans actually don't want to do anything about this, and you do. Right. Like Republicans are blocking the mansion Schumer thing, whatever that ends up being. Republicans refuse to actually try to do to try to do anything that is going to ease costs on you on child care, whatever it is. Meanwhile, what do Republicans care about? Like the relitigating the 2020 election and, you know, talking about like whether teachers can read about gay penguins. And you can there are plenty of examples of finding clips of Republicans like this is them. This is us. I care about helping you. They don't actually give a fuck. Is that going to actually work and help the Democrats win in November? Probably not. But I think that in states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, you can mitigate losses and you can and look at Ron Johnson, for example. I think that that whoever comes out of that Wisconsin Senate primary can execute a case, can prosecute a case against Ron Johnson. That's this guy doesn't give a fork about inflation. OK, and we're going to and here's what here's what I'm going to try to do. They're blocking everything. If, if the economy is really shitty in November, that might not matter. But at, at least you're making an argument. It is interesting. The candidates for governor who are, you know, talking about, you know, we need to fight inflation. We need to do this about inflation. It needs to be pivoted on them saying, OK, well, like what? 
What can the governor of a state do about inflation? What What is your specific idea that you have? On the other hand, you know, let's let's face it. People, their thinking is not necessarily linear. And, you know, your, your, your point about everything being 20 percent more annoying, um, I, I think needs to be underlined because these are the realities that people are experiencing every time they get gas, every time they go to the grocery store, every time they try to order I something, you know. You. Over and over and over again. This is we talk about how Twitter is not real life. Um, you know, these abstractions, you know, sort of go over people's heads. You know, anytime two or more people get together anywhere in the country, this is what they talk about. I mean, yeah. this is the reality here. So we'll see how it plays out here. I had a friend who canceled a summer vacation, right? Like, yeah, can't afford it, right? It's just like the plane tickets were too expensive, the hotels were too expensive, right? And you know, or and then or think about the other way about the more annoying. Let's say you do suck it up, and you're like, okay, I'm going to still do this vacation. It's going to be it's going to be more money than I usually than I expected to spend. And then you get there, and the hotel service is horrible, right? Because they don't have the staffing. And so, okay, then you say, well, yeah, it's, you're a whiny. That's a first world problem. It is, but that sucks for people when they're like, man, I spent more on this vacation. And and now I went to, you know, wherever Disney World or whatever, and I'm not even enjoying it really that much because uh, because all the various, you know, staffing issues at at these places, Uh, people end up blaming that stuff on on Joe Biden. Fair or not fair. I just really quick on the governors. I I do think that that voters sometimes are smarter than we give them credit for. If you look (laughs) at the numbers for Democrats. (laughs) <laughs> governors, Democratic governors, <laughs> broadly speaking, yeah, specific yeah. voters are stupider than we give them credit for. Um, but Democratic governors are actually doing okay. Evers' numbers are much better than Biden's in Wisconsin. Mm. Whitmer's numbers are much yeah. better than Biden's in Michigan. Um, it's these Senate races that are a little bit of a different animal for Democrats, which is unfortunate because that's you know where our democracy hangs in the ba- balance. But I, I do think that the go- that people are giving governors a little bit more of a leash on the on the economic stuff. Well, I, because I do think they make a distinction between they think of the governor as having a real job to do real things, whereas you know if if, if the senator spends all of his time vaporing or, or doing conspiracy theories, it doesn't have practical implications. Whereas the governor, it is now you, you mentioned Evers numbers. Tony Evers uh, is a is a very, very weak governor. Um, he's very, very vulnerable. I think you look at the environment right now. He has to be a significant underdog. On the other hand, the capacity of Republicans to screw the pooch on this, you know, continues to rise. I mean, uh, you know, Ron Johnson keeps saying crazy things in Wisconsin. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to do this at some other time. So you you have a, a race for governor that ought to be a slam dunk for Republicans. And last night, Donald Trump intervenes in the campaign to endorse a, a business executive named Tim Michaels, who uh, used to run a, 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 it's a, it's a family company. Uh, they're big road builders. I mean, they obviously have a vested interest in spending lots of money on, on roads and things like that. To say that he's not the uh, grassroots favorite or the front runner is putting it mildly. I mean, he's been around for a while. But there are other candidates in the race, including uh, the former lieutenant governor, uh, Rebecca Clayfish, who's been endorsed by Scott Walker, who has been you know, a presence in, in Wisconsin politics for eight years. Uh, there are other candidates on the, on the ballot. And here comes Donald Trump to endorse a candidate. I, I, I honestly, the reason I don't want to spend too much time on it, I can't quite figure out what the hell is going on, you know, why he would have done this, because it's a very, very competitive race much of the mainstream Republican Party, which has done everything it can to kiss Donald Trump's ring, has lined up behind other candidates. And now he drops this turd into the punch bowl. I don't know how it plays out. I don't know. 
Um, Michael strikes me as a very vulnerable candidate who will bring a lot of baggage into the general election that some of the other candidates won't. And I, I, I imagine that if you ask virtually any elected Republican in Wisconsin today what their reaction is, they would go, fuck me. Or, or, or as you wrote eloquently in your book, fuck me dead. So I don't, I don't know what that's, what's that about. And he also endorsed this guy, Blake Masters, yep. a Trumpified uh, candidate for U.S. Senator. And, 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 you know, our colleague Sarah tweeted out, you know, with Trump's endorsement, Blake Masters uh, in Arizona will likely join gubernatorial frontrunner Carrie Lake in putting forward one of the most anti-democracy pro-stop-the-steal states, uh, slates of Republican candidates in the country. And that's saying something. So here you have a purple state like Arizona, and they are going full crazy. Uh, so I, I don't know how this plays out. You you yeah, you, you know um, a lot more about Blake than I do. So yeah, well I'm I'm, gonna, I'm doing a deeper dive in Arizona that'll be getting to Blake and Carrie. Um, uh, so we can spend more time on it later. But but just a one minute uh, uh, thumbnail of this Arizona situation. I mean, Carrie Lake was a TV. Uh, news yeah. host. So in some ways, she's kind of like Donald Trump in miniature. Yeah. Like she's been in the households of everybody in Arizona. Like mm -hmm. they know her. You know, every state has like a local news person right. who's like kind of a mini celebrity, right? Like that Carrie was that for Arizona. Uh, and so, uh, you know, she has this kind of built in reservoir goodwill, but she's gone insane. I mean, she's like, yeah, you know, on Steve Bannon's podcast talking about uh, talking about droning the border. I mean, you know, the whole deal, uh, stop the steal all the way, you know, uh, has, has been involved in every conspiracy pillow guy. Masters, on the other hand, is in the J.D. Vance world. He's one of the, he's a teal acolyte. Uh, he's more of an actual scary kind of nationalist you know it was one of these who said we shouldn't do anything in ukraine really tough on immigration you know has um you know these kind of heterodox uh views that are that are very not like the opposite of classically liberal kind of authoritarian uh, views uh, but is also uh, you know like a tech guy right so you know he doesn't believe this stuff right but but he's adding on the stop the steal stuff because he knows that's what you need to do to get the trump endorsement um and and so he he's following very much the jd vance path uh of kind of taking this this sort of nationalist illiberal strain of of the republican party that's on the rise under trump and, and kind of tying it with sort of a pretend cultural conservatism and we saw and i was skeptical that that would work for jd vance in ohio and it worked it was yeah, uh, it part did. of it was because his his opponents were pretty weak it turned out so we'll see i mean there's a sitting attorney general that masters is running against um none of them are, are better from my perspective but but we'll see if it actually if the trump endorsement has the same effect that it did for vance it certainly will give him a boost but you know so you you have these very radical and the candidates running. And this is why I just want to go back to the Evers point. This is why all this stuff's so important and, and why and making sure Democrats get it right and are clear eyed about their campaign. Winning on the margins. Criticize them. Winning on the margins here is important. Even in a wave year, cutting down the number of losses at few, you know, not having Blake Masters in the Senate is a win, even if Mitch McConnell is the majority leader, right? Because it's smaller margins. For future, you know, anti-democratic votes, um, and uh, and and you don't want them to be able to create this little Peter Thiel 
mini nationalist caucus in the Senate. So we can spend more time on that, but I, I think that it's concern. It should be a big flashing red siren to Democrats that you think that Tony Evers is a very weak governor and is and is a underdog, but his numbers are ten points better than Joe Biden's in the I state. Know, that show you where Joe Biden is. Democrats need to wake up to this and 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 take advantage of these more extreme candidates and prosecute campaigns that appeal to the broad middle and energize the base. It's easier said than done, but I think it's doable when you have the types of candidates the Republicans are putting up in some of these purple states. A slightly different angle on what you just said there. Um, Blake Masters, like J.D. Vance, has made it very clear that they would embrace uh, a very an isolationist position. So they are sort of, you know, anti-anti-Ukraine type thing or is it anti-anti-Putin? Um, the, they are not supportive of, of our efforts to support Ukraine. Today is the uh, 100th day of the war, and um, I have this uh, creeping, gnawing sense that the um, the tide of that war has turned uh, in a couple of ways. Number one, um, the, the Russians have a new uh, tactic. They are grinding, um, you know, grinding down the uh, the Ukrainian forces in, in, in the south and the east uh, so that they, they are making, you know, progress. We have focused a lot on all of the Russian casualties um, just in the last few days, people have been noting, you know, Ukrainians are experiencing some very, very significant losses. This is a dangerous moment of the war. Yes, we are sending them more weaponry, but there's also the sense that as we hit 100 days, you know, the question is, how long will it take before the West and the United States loses interest? How, what is our attention span on all of this? And meanwhile, you have a Republican Party that so far has been supportive of Ukraine. But as you and I know, watch the leading indicators. You know, the Trump world folks, the J.D. Vance's, the Blake Masters, the others have been completely opposed to Ukraine and they are the id of the party. They wouldn't matter except that they are reflecting the thinking of the orange god king in Mar-a-Lago, who is, you know, the, the next president in waiting. That is really significant. So when you say that it's important to keep the Blake Masters out of the United States Senate, um, uh, it, it, you know, if, if, if we care about uh, NATO, if we care about uh, the future of uh, this country as a leader of the forces of democracy against the forces of Vladimir Putin, races like this are really, really important because right now it might be only 20% of the Republican electorate, but we've seen how this goes in the past, right? I mean, you know, people get tired, they get bored, they lose uh, attention and there's that center of gravity and they just come back to it. Totally agree with that. And I, I was pleasant. One of the things I've been pleasantly surprised about, I've sort of pundit accountability, yeah. I'm happy when I'm wrong. Yeah. I expected the kind of Republican voter backlash against Biden's pretty aggressive um, actions in Ukraine. Uh, you know, we could get into the details on that, but but just the general sense that we're going to be supportive of Ukraine. I thought that the Republican voters would be would have would be more open to this nationalist isolationist backlash. Yeah, chat, and they were they weren't really so far. Um, so so far. That, yeah, so far. So that was a pleasant surprise. I, but boy, as this thing drags on, as you know, we're going to get into the fall. I was just listening to Samantha Power interview and the food crisis that's coming through the summer. Uh, it, it, assuming this all continues, there's no signs that it's of, of it abating. To your point, uh, as we get further away from the kind of visceral, emotional defense of the Ukrainians that I think that was obviously galvanized by Zelensky in the days following the invasion. 
you can see the creep back, right, towards this sort of argument of, well, should we be spending $40 billion on yeah. Ukraine? Oh, should yeah. we be spending oh, yeah. it on the wall or on opioids or on hardening our schools, schools. or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, or Ingram, you you're starting to see that creep back into Fox, right? I think that Fox, primetime Fox, was a little bit also surprised, like we were, that the audience wasn't going along with that kind of nationalist message. But you can see that creeping back in. And I, I think that you're exactly right that we should be worried about that as this thing drags on. Yeah, I, I, I think that there was a lot of premature spiking of the football. Uh, Russia has been defeated. You know, Vladimir Putin has been humiliated. Well, he's, uh, humili- he he's, play, he's playing the long game right now. Uh, and, and the long game is, and this genuinely scares me, is that Vladimir Putin might be sitting there thinking, if we can hang on long enough, the United States will drop out of of this of this alliance. The United States cannot be trusted. And if Donald Trump comes back, I win. I win because NATO no longer has that anchor. And you do wonder whether or not the Europeans, who are not stupid at all, they may lack backbone sometimes, uh, but whether you know the French and the Russians are looking over their shoulder, going, "There's an election coming up," and we know what they're saying now. But we know what they'll be saying in 2025. Uh, we need to hedge our bets. I don't know. I think it's a fair fear, for sure. It is, it, it is a fair fear. Well, we didn't get to everything that I have in my notes, but I know <laughs> that you and I are both anxious to begin the weekend. We may not deserve it, but we're going to get it anyway. So, Tim Miller, thank you so much. Um, and the book is called? Why We Did It on Amazon.com. Go pre-order. Actually, I tweeted this. You can find it if you want a signed book plate. Um, I, I, there's a special link. I'll, I'll just, I'll pin it to the top of my feed right now. So people can just go to my Twitter, Tim ODC, click the link. It was in JVL's triad yesterday. And, uh, you know, you can get a signed little book plate, get it pre-ordered because, you know, pre-orders matter because then the bookstores carry it. You know, the deal, if the bookstores are like, oh, wow, people want this Tim Miller book. We better, we better give it prime position at the front of our little Barnes and Noble. So, you know, well, and, I appreciate and, all the support. And order today because you know about the supply chain stuff. They may be all, <laughs> they may be all gone. I know. If they're going not, out like hotcakes while I was going yeah. up the rankings after Charlie Pimpin it last yeah. week. So you never know. Have, have, you, have you read Bill Leader's piece in, in the Bulwark today? It's, it's hilarious. I did. About the Trump emails. Yeah, about all the Trump emails. You know, if you don't do it, this is, the last, this is your last offer. And, you know, don't <laughs> disappoint me. Don't disappoint Tim. If you do not order Tim's book today, it may not be available. You may not, you know, or order Tim's book today before they make it impossible. The book they don't want you to read. What is that that sort of thing, you know? So a little bit of urgency. Smart marketing, Charlie. Thank you. That's good. That's true. You never know. You better get in now. Do you hate hearing ads? If so, I've got a solution for you. Join Bulwark Plus where members enjoy ad-free editions of this show and all the podcasts in our Bulwark network like Beg to Differ with Mona Charon and The Focus Group with Sarah Longwell. There's also the member-only podcast, The Secret Show, and The Next Level with Tim Miller. You can give a Bulwark Plus membership a try for the next 30 days for free. Simply go to thebulwark.com slash charlie to claim your free trial today. This offer is exclusively for listeners of this podcast, The Bulwark Podcast. That is thebulwark.com slash charlie. The Bulwark Podcast is produced by Katie Cooper with audio production by Jonathan Siri. I'm Charlie Sykes. Thank you for listening to today's Bulwark Podcast. And we'll be back tomorrow to do this all over again.